Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I want choice for all women. I want them to live big and bold and fun lives. I want them to make a difference. I want them to realise change and I particularly want them to do that in national security. There's technology jobs, there's cyber jobs, uh, there's jobs in the corporate domain, there's finance jobs. Yes, there are lots of policy and operational jobs too and they're all really amazing, but I think every contribution in this sector can be good. Welcome to the National Security Podcast, brought to you by the ANU National Security College with support from policyforum.net. Today we're sharing something a little special with you. This is a taste of our new mini-series, Women in National Security, produced in collaboration with Accenture. Here are our hosts, Gabe Brotman and Meg Tapia, to tell you more. Hey, how are you, Meg? Hey, Kay, I'm really good. I'm super excited to be here today. Yeah, it's a fantastic podcast and it's going to be a fantastic podcast and I'm really looking forward to working with you on this and showcasing the amazing female talent we have in national security. Me too. So I was thinking perhaps we should tell everyone who we are. What do you think? Sounds like a good start. Shall I go first? Yes, sure. Okay, so hi, everyone. I'm Meg Tapia. I'm Principal Director for Defence and National Security at Accenture here in Canberra, and I'm speaking to you today from Ngunnawal country. I have dedicated my career to government service. I've spent the last 16 years working in foreign policy and national security. I, like Gay, have had the pleasure of and the privilege of representing my country overseas many times. It's been a wonderful experience. But last year, I decided to make a career change. I decided to pivot from the public to the private sectors, um, but I haven't gone very far. Uh, and that's because my passion is defence and national security, and in particular, supporting women and people from diverse backgrounds in this sector. And that's because I myself am a woman who migrated to Australia. I've got a culturally diverse heritage, um, and I want people to be attracted to this sector. I want them to build careers in this sector. It's really dynamic, it's interesting, and it's really important. Gay, what about you? What's your background? Well, I'm a former member for Canberra and a former shadow front bencher and a former diplomat, and I've been on a number of parliamentary committees. I've also had my own small business, which I ran for 10 years, and I've also had the privilege of being a public servant. I'm currently a non-executive director on a number of boards, Defence Housing, ASPE, and also the Museum of Australian Democracy. And I'm setting up a startup called Fearless Women here in Canberra to boost confidence and self-esteem amongst young women. Uh, we have in Canberra, unfortunately, the highest rate of uh, psychological distress of young women anywhere in the country. And so with a group of other fantastic women and also Marty Fisk from Men's Link, we're setting up an outfit to try and address some of those issues and help with self-esteem and confidence and to create fantastic, resilient women for the future. So in terms of my background, well, I have come from a, what I've dubbed a working class matriarchy. 
three generations of single mothers who are all cleaners. And so I've seen what lack of opportunity, what limited options can do to women. I've seen that lack of education means that you lead a timid life. Now, I'm the first in my family to go to university. Uh, My sisters and I are the transformative product of education and opportunity. And for me, I want choice for all women. I want them to live big and bold and fun lives. I want them to make a difference. I want them to realise change. And I particularly want them to do that in national security. That's amazing, Gay. You've had such a rich life, such a full life in the past and now. I have a question for you. How do you find the time to fit in this podcast? You make the time. (laughs) This is important. It's really important to give voice to Mm. women in the arena because I know from my own experience, I've been on so many panels and at speaking engagements where I'm the only female or the females that are there, apart from me, are there in a facilitation role or an introductory role to set up the main speaker that is a male. So I'm really keen to showcase the female talent we have here in Australia, to give them a voice, to give them the opportunity to engage in the debate and discussion. And I'm really keen to do that in a really relaxed and conversational uh, way. No acronyms, no asymmetric (laughs) warfare, no kinetic, nothing just a really relaxed, acronym-free environment. I like that. And I like that we're going to explore the journeys of the women that we're going to be talking to, because for me, it's the journey that really matters. That's how you learn. That's at least how I learn. I'm very curious, and I really love asking why questions. I really like understanding people's drivers. I like to understand where it is that they want to go. I want to know how they got there, in the hope that I'm going to get something out of that conversation for myself, that maybe I want to apply to my own life and my own career, or maybe things that I I want to avoid. So I'm really keen to talk to some of these women who are truly extraordinary and who I think do deserve that platform about what they've learned and what they can teach us. So I just want to reflect real quickly. The point of this podcast, the reason you and I came together was to help women to navigate their careers in national security for the woman or for the young person who's out there and thinking about a career in national security. They think maybe well, it's inaccessible, maybe like us, they think foreign affairs. That's just so foreign to me. How on earth am I going to get there? Uh, So what would you say to our listeners, the woman who's listening to this episode right now and thinking, oh, I wonder if that's something for me. What would you tell her to do? Tune in. And also through that, you'll discover the journey that these women have gone through and their backstory in terms of where they've got today. I think that what they'll discover is the fact that it's not linear journey, that often these women haven't expected or anticipated a career in national security. It just has come about because their interest has been sparked in a particular area and they've taken that path. So it's a way of highlighting the fact that there are endless opportunities out there in national security, some that I think that women don't even expect exist. And my concern is that women, particularly women, or a lot of people think that a career in national security, a career in foreign policy is only available to those who are children of diplomats, who have 50 languages and have been to a private school, or to middle-aged men with PhDs in international relations, I'm not multiple any of those publications, <laughs> multiple book titles. And so... There are so many opportunities there and there's so much growth in this area in so many ways and I want those women to 
be exposed to those opportunities and the journey and the fact that the journey will work in some ways, it won't work in other ways, but not to be frightened to take risks, to live a big and bold life, to make a difference, to realise change and to advance our national interests. Yeah, I love that, Gay, and I think you're totally right. Not every job in this space is about the pointy end of policy or the pointy end of international negotiations. There is a whole enterprise that supports all of that. There's technology jobs, there's cyber jobs, uh, there's jobs in the corporate domain, there's finance jobs. Yes, there are lots of policy and operational jobs too, and they're all really amazing, but I think every contribution in this sector can be good. Absolutely. And that's what we want to highlight. Fantastic. And also tell some really interesting stories along the way and get to know these women. Yes. I've heard some really interesting stories from some of these women already and I cannot wait for them to share them with you. Tell me about your foreign (laughs) policy, your national security journey. How did it begin? What sparked the interest? Mm. Okay, I'm going to go way, way back, back to high school, in fact, I had a history teacher named Mrs. Lambrinos who was super passionate about history and I really loved going to her classes. I loved hearing her bring to life all of these amazing people from the past who had made decisions that had affected the world and had affected the trajectory of the world. So that's where my passion really started in terms of being interested in politics and being interested in foreign policy and national security. And I always wanted to join DFAT. You know, I'm one of those people (laughs) who saw that as an opportunity to travel and to learn new languages. But I always also felt really nervous about whether or not I could do that. And that's because I was born overseas. When I migrated here, when I was eight years old, I didn't speak a lick of English. I had to learn. And so I was always a little cautious, a little worried about whether or not I'd even be able to make it. Um, So I decided to apply for other jobs. I applied for lots of jobs as a graduate when I was living in Sydney and I took the only one that accepted me. That was Sydney Water. And I started there as a grad and moved around and did a number of different jobs in there in government relations, in strategy, and really liked how all of those jobs came together and the skills that I got out of that. But I was really missing that international experience that I really wanted to get. And so when I saw a job advertised in the paper for DFAT, I thought, right, well, it's now or never. By then I was in my mid-20s. I'd done my bachelor's degree. I did a Bachelor of Arts and then I did a a master's in international policy studies. And I thought, right, I feel as ready as I'm ever going to be. And thankfully I kept getting through the process and eventually I joined and I stayed because I just loved it so much. Yeah, well, like you, I was a bit intimidated by foreign affairs as well. And I, my interest began when I was at uni here at the ANU and I was uh, studying international relations, part of a politics major, and I was fascinated by the Cold War. It was during the Cold War, which really dates me. And as part of that, I went to the Soviet Union when not many people went to the Soviet Union. The only airfare I could afford was an Aeroflot airfare. And so as part of that, you had to go via Moscow. And just going to, just seeing the contrast of my life in Australia in a prosperous country with the lives that people were living in communism really sparked my interest and my desire to pursue foreign policy and pursue a a career in that area. It was uh, quite startling when you arrive at a newly built international airport when there's no one there, when you go to the shops and there's nothing in them, when you see everything being added up on abacuses, 
when you have to check in and out of the hotel and let people know when you're going in and out of the hotel. The controls there were just extraordinary. And so I did see the limitations that that put on people's lives and that's why I was keen to pursue foreign policy and to ensure equity and openness on that area but also to eventually pursue a career in politics because I can see the st- how stifling government intervention and state control can be and how you don't want that for your community, particularly our nation. So that's where my interest began. And uh, then at the end of my public relations degree, which I did at RMIT in Melbourne, I won a scholarship to look at how effectively we were promoting Australia as a manufacturing nation in Northeast Asia. It was kind of on the back, it was inspired by the Gano report on the ascendancy of Northeast Asia. So I went up to Northeast Asia as part of the scholarship to go and get to do interviews with journalists and business people to get a sense about how they perceived Australia, which was not surprisingly as a quarry and farm, and had as part of that process spent time working with our missions up there in Tokyo and Beijing and Hong Kong and Seoul, and I got a real taste of it. And I thought, that's the life I want. That's the life I want to live. I want to be part of our foreign service. But coming from my background, being educated at a public school, not having any languages, a bit of Russian, but that was about it. And also not having parents who were diplomats. I just thought that that world was completely inaccessible to people like me. It wasn't, you had to be of a particular class, you had to be of a particular background to be able to get into foreign affairs. So I didn't think it was accessible. I ended up going to attorney generals and getting a job there. And then an opening like you came about in foreign affairs in the public affairs stream, which I had studied. And so I, through hard work and a bit of lateral and creative thinking, I got in there. And I started actually there. I did a placement there as the senior women in management program, got to be known as a result of doing a placement there and going to Jakarta. And then when this opportunity came about, I jumped at it. And uh, the rest is history, as they say. The rest is history, Mm. as they Mm. say. You're totally right. Okay, so I think that might be us. I hope you've enjoyed this little teaser episode. Uh, Gay and I introducing ourselves. And we will see you very soon on Women in National Security. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.